Welcome to The Literary State, a series of podcasts with Missouri poets. I am Mary Frances Wagner, Missouri's sixth poet laureate, and I will be leading this interview series. Our poet today is Courtney Faye Taylor. Courtney Faye Taylor is the author of Concentrate, forthcoming from Gray Wolf Press in 2022. It is the winner of the Kava Khanum Poetry Prize selected by Rachel Eliza Griffiths and a finalist for the National Poetry Series. Courtney is also the winner of the 92Y Boston Review Poetry Prize and an Academy of American Poets Prize. She is the recipient of fellowships and residencies from the Charlotte Street Foundation and the May Fellowship. Her poetry can be found in The Nation, Poetry Magazine, Best New Poets 2020, The New Republic, Plowshares, Kenyon Review, and many other places. Welcome to the program, Courtney. Thank you for having me, excited to be here. Okay, I thought I would start by asking you a couple of questions. First of all, could you, this is really uh, more than one question, but could you tell us what made you start writing and your poetry journey? And then what made you decide to become the poetry editor of Slice Magazine? And then I'm sure everyone out there would like to know the kind of poems you pick for Slice Magazine. Yeah, of course. So. I think my poetry journey really started in high school when I was introduced to spoken word poetry. And most of what I was viewing were old um, episodes of Deaf Poetry Jam on YouTube. So I think Deaf Poetry Jam was a, it was a television series that came out mostly in the 90s. And so at that time I was really young, I had no idea what that was. And so in high school, in like the late 2000s, that's when I was really introduced to that kind of cultural phenomenon of, of these spoken word poets showing their work to an audience. And so I fell in love with that performance and decided to try to be a spoken word artist. Um, and really how I, I did that was through this program we had in high school called Forensics. And it's this competitive speaking competition where schools will compete in different speaking categories. So there's a debate category, there's a history category where students will do speeches on history, and then there was a category for poetry. And so I really started to perform poetry through forensics. And I started with reciting Maya Angelou poems. Um, but then as years went on, I decided to try to write my own work and I found success with that. And so I think that affirmation really helped me kind of take myself more seriously as a poet as I went on to college and undergrad. And so that's in undergrad is when I really started to study the contemporary poets, um, poets that to this day still move me, poets like Harriet Mullen, Jericho Brown. That kind of was my foundation for becoming a poet. I also think my foundation for being an editor also kind of 
showed up in undergrad as well, because that's where the workshop kind of came in, where we sat down with classmates, you'd read each other's work and give feedback. And I just realized how much having an editorial eye was critical to me being able to go back to my poetry and improve it. And so I really loved doing that as the editor for Slice Magazine. And I believe I started at Slice probably in 2017. So I've been there for a couple of years now. And in terms of what I look for, I, I can't even put my finger on it, but I will say I, when I come across a poem that immediately by the time I'm at the end of it makes me say, I need to read that again right now. Like I just have to go right back into the poem. So something between that first line and that last line, something is sending me immediately back into the poem. It, it's like that visceral excitement that I get from, from the piece. And that happens more often than not. I mean, a lot of poetry does that for me. I think poets do that in different ways. And so there's really no um, approach to kind of getting that reaction out of a reader. I think if your poetry finds the right reader, it, it will kind of have that impact. So I like being at Slice because we have a diversity of perspectives and poetic traditions and voices that come through. And it's just a great opportunity for me to see the different ways that people are using poetry. Yes, that's that's a very great answer. I, I feel the same way about I-70 Review. It's when you read a poem and you wanna go back and say, I have to read that poem again. That, yeah. That's the Emily Dickinson take off the top of your head. <laughs> yeah, those poems that just kind of make you, that just inspire you. Yes. Okay, well, you have won several prizes. And what do you think really makes a poem work? Meaning, what's the difference between an okay poem and a poem that will make an editor want to publish it or give it an award? Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to that previous answer of it, it's a poem that that somehow moves you. I, I think of um, when I was thinking about an okay poem or a poem that makes someone want to edit it. I think for a long time for Black poets, especially, there's been this idea of good poetry, bad poetry, good writing, bad writing. And at the heart of that, it's been even this idea of of how we should approach English and the language. And so some of my favorite poets are poets that use African-American vernacular English, like this version of English that for so long has been thought to be incorrect or bad English or not English that is worthy of poetry. And those poets have taken a language that, that we speak to our loved ones and made it into something worthy of poetry, into something that is celebrated. So I love poetry that kind of challenges the tradition, I would say. So I think of poets like Fred Moten, who uses a lot of AAVE, which is African-American vernacular English, and pulling out the musicality of it to create poetry. It's the same, similar kind of thing with Harriet Mullen, who um, in her collection, Sleeping with the Dictionary, really plays with the different pairings of words, words that we wouldn't expect to see next to each other. So a poem like that, by the end of it, I'm going right back into the poem to get more meaning out of it because I've never seen these words together before. And so I'm being introduced to something completely new, something that is, is moving me and inspiring me to, to read it again. I think when I write, 
I think that my poetry is, is always navigating a question. So even if I'm not really aware of what that question is, sometimes it takes me to write the poem to go back and be like, what really kind of motivated me to write this? And a poet, poetry can't always answer the question. Quite often it doesn't, but it's just seeing the speaker and the writer kind of navigate that question that really brings that reader on that experience and allows them to kind of step into to this moment and be moved by it. So I guess that's just a long kind of way of saying there are many different you know reasons why I think someone would pick a poem for a prize. But deep down, I think it it's in the most simple forms is the poetry has has moved them or changed their perspective in some way. Okay, thank you. Would you be willing to give us a prompt today for all of those out there listening? Yes. Um, so I'm going to borrow a prompt that I heard from the poet Lyra Van Cleef Stefanon. Um, she gave this workshop where I attended my MFA program. And this prompt comes from a quote by Tony Kate Bambara in her essay, The Education of a Storyteller. And so the prompt is a question and it is, what are you pretending not to know today? And so once you think about that question, you write those things down. So it could be I'm pretending not to know that my love life is in shambles, or I'm pretending not to know that I'm nervous about what's around the corner in my life. So just write this list down of the things you're pretending not to know. And then I'd add to that to, after writing that list, pick one of those things and write into it more directly and kind of explore that. And if it ends up being a poem, that's great. Ends up being an essay, that's great. But just kind of write into that question. That's a good prompt. It makes me want to try that myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, would you share a couple of poems with us today so that we can actually feel like what you tell us you need in a poem? Yes. Awesome. So okay. I will share. This poem is called Blooms Exactly. My youth, I spent it all between the knees of hair braiders, begging Kanekalan to name me a debutante or mistake me for it. Those knees I matured between worked weeks at the Queen of Kings braid boutique, which was an old US cellular, behind which my boyfriend's Chevrolet vanished under sleet and Southern magnolias in hibernation pulsed like sea channels or seemed to channel this yearly seedy casualty all over. I cleaned for the braiders on Fridays. They sprawled their slippered feet on the shampoo bowls whenever I brought the vacuum around and hummed my 2010 urbanite tunes, bedrock, bottoms up, no hands. The sexist verses I saved for the bathroom while lemon scenting the shitter and spritzing some Chanel number no. two down my bloomers, blooming where you know it blooms exactly. Still, even when I smelled good, I smelled busy. And I hated high school. Novembers, I rode the 60 to Wauwatosa Mall just to sniff the food court's teriyaki and auntie sugar pretzels. Those bus rides were so boring that I pretended to smoke candy canes, clicking an ink pen in front of that sucked pointy end to imitate igniting. Sometimes boys with flies undone jittered past me towards the roses seats without my noticing. And from my window, I'd watch trash cans of all purposes blow their hearts out across the crosswalks. I had a knack for telling city garbage from residential garbage, 
tampons, crown apple, tattered crisis magazines, or playbills for fences, gold minute hand of a wristwatch, jaybird bones. So why not admit it? I was petrified then. I had the sort of shoulder chip this nation usually only nicks into eugenicists who break news, who arrive at a megaphone fame just to disrupt or distrust it. I didn't trust my boyfriend driving past Decorah where the Boy Scouts camped. His Chevy must have seemed exhibit pimp to those fist-headed campers whose kickballs and camera phones too often sought the hood. Their curiosity left no dent, but say it had. Those boys wouldn't have paid. Our hood wasn't their hood to heal. Hella girls at my high school from hoods unhealed, aced palabras sailed me on by to ivies and housewifery. All night they enthralled my jealousies with nothing on but the height of their nipples. Mine, Eiffel tall in my father's chilly condo, which stayed chilly so that my hardness gave a show as I lazed towards the kitchen in a camisole for some minute maid. Now, had I known what my upper half was making this man do for temperature, I would have laughed. I was a damn good merry maid. Bleached licks, pocketed fro picks, egregious tips, a life like that, it seemed to kill me forever. That's wonderful. I love that. Now I see what you're talking about. That makes <laughs> me want to see it again. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Um, and this final one is called Grief for the Horizontal World, and that comes from a line from a Lucille Clifton poem. Everything that I've ever done, I keep in a jar marked innocent so that men can't touch it. Most flies tire of gossip they've prayed to be on the wall of. They roll such funky eyes, yawning over grown folks' most beautiful business. I sit with hands tied in a lie behind my own ass, a patient Afro donkey. I am the only trick alive and with eyes who likes outgrown acrylics and who likes it when wind blows a water fountain show onto a sidewalk in a park the size of Portugal. I think righteous confetti. Yesterday I am 26 and the home he will rape me in has not been built yet. Catching my fat reflection in an hourglass, I don't seem capable of creating what I have a fear with proportions the size of disaster. Portugal and disaster are the exact same size for me. My fear is a park and inside of her, a water fountain blows its show onto styrofoam boardwalks. The house she will find me tripping in has not been built, yet it's gorgeous and owned by men who touch jars marked capable. I know facts about Grecian Troy and this popular myth about Trojans. If you carry one, you won't need it. If you leave it, you'll seem clean or childishly kind. I killed a fly minding its business on a sidewalk inside of me today. Why? I knew I'd enjoy the music. As a mother of something black, I owe flies nothing. Nothing, I owe nothing. Remember that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Courtney. And could you tell everyone where they might be able to get your books? So my book is forthcoming in November 2022, but you can get updates at CourtneyFayTaylor.com. And there you can sign up for my mailing list to get updates on the book.
Okay, that sounds good. And I want to thank you today for joining us. And I want to just say this has been the Literary State, a series of podcasts with Missouri poets. I am Mary Frances Wagner, and thank you for joining us. Tune in to all of our podcasts. We'll see you next time. Thank you.